0: If you will take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2, as we continue to celebrate this incredible season of our Savior and Lord, um, knowing that Christmas is around us everywhere we look. We, We see decorations and we hear Christmas carols. And all this is in a way of worshiping our King. I want to continue talking about worship that's fit for the king. And uh, as we look at this, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star... In the east. We saw some kind of. Phenomenal light. That got our attention. And we've come here. To worship him. God is deserving of worship. Now. How does that kind of worship that God deserves, how does that happen? How do we get to the point where we really are honoring God in all that we say and do? Well, here's what I know. Worship fit for the king begins at God's invitation. I don't initiate it. God initiates it. God reveals himself, makes himself known, manifests himself, and then I begin to realize something of His greatness and His glory, and I begin to respond. You see, worship is, the ori- is an orientation to life. And let me say this, the desire to worship should be like our drive to eat, okay? Let me illustrate, meaning uh, that drive, that craving in me to eat something, uh, my worship should have a craving and a desire that, that moves me to, to worship like I am moved to eat. For example, I know that if I get in my car in 58 minutes, I can be on Highway 41 where the Krispy Kreme place is, right next to Crystal. I can be there. And there's times that I'm, man, I just, I really want one of those donuts so bad, and I I begin to anticipate and, and begin to think about, realize, hey, it's no big deal to drive 58 minutes one way for a donut that's what you call being driven by food. There's a couple of foods that drive me. I love hamburgers. I like a good hamburger. And uh, I, I like uh, french fries and, and all that other stuff that's good for you. But um, so there's times I'm going, man, I, I just want a hamburger. I, and, I, and, I'll, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I've got to have one. And I and, uh, want that donut. And I'll say, okay, let's, let's go get a donut. The psalmist talks about having a spiritual hunger for God that drives us. That's just as real as our craving for a particular favorite food. That we would now have some craving for God. To worship Him. To somehow respond to Him. And it begins to motivate our life on a daily basis. How does that happen? And what, is the re- what do we know when we know we're worshiping, what's taking place? Well... I think, first of all, there's an invitation to sing as an expression of joy. If you'll turn over to Psalm 95, it's a a psalm of worship and of warning. But as you turn over there, the psalmist is saying this. Come, let us shout joyfully to the Lord, shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let us enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout triumphantly to him in song. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. This thing to sing. Singing is simply puts the truth of God to music. It has a way of taking bi- biblical thoughts, principles, and precepts, and even Bible verses, and putting them to music. And we begin to sing unto the Lord back about how he is true and great and wonderful. And we adore him through music. We all ought to have two or three or maybe more that are just like your favorite songs. Your favorite songs. One of my favorite songs at Christmas is, Oh, Come Let Us Adore Him. That's one of my favorite songs. And I find myself humming that or singing that. During the Christmas season, sometimes just throughout the year. I have about four songs that are really precious favorites to me. My faith has found a resting place is precious to me. Because I believe the words of it in every verse. And it speaks to my heart. Had that song was one I picked to have sung at my mom's funeral. There should be songs that are in our heart deep because of past experience or development or ministry. And they should surface from time to time. And we should find ourselves thinking of them or humming them or singing them because that's how we worship. And we, and we come to church on Sunday morning. We get to come and actually come together and sing as a group. Spiritual truth under the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We get to sing. It's an expression of joy, and also it's a chance to demonstrate excitement. You see, the psalmist says, We're excited about singing. We're excited about singing unto the Lord. It's a joy to us, it's excitement. You begin to express that excitement. You see, our singing ultimately reflects our feelings about God. Uh, One of our longtime members has had to relocate. Uh, Winston had to go down and, and, and relocate and be with his family, and he got to come back for Triple L. And, man, it's great to see him. I hugged him and excited to see him. And, and I was talking to his daughter. And I said, how's it going? Well, he's getting settled in. I said, well, has he found a church? Because I know Winston's going to go to church. I know that. So has he found a church? And she said, well, we're, we're having a hard time finding a church. And I said, okay. She's gone to him. And, and here's what he says. He says, these churches just aren't as lively as my church. Man, you know, I... Uh, and so I think churches should be lively. I think we should have excitement and demonstrate that. And so that's part of our worship, to, to sing unto the Lord because it's in the house. We need to act like it and sing like it. Do you know what happened this just a, a, just a few days ago uh, in, a, in a food court, in a mall in Canada? A man stood up and began to sing in the midst of hundreds of people. And then Another began to stand and join him, and another, and another. And what they soon discovered was a, a, a choral group had come in, and kind of a, a mob choir thing, and they all began to sing together. And when the first guy stood up, if you watch different versions of YouTube, it's kind of interesting that, that the people don't know what was going on, they're kind of like, well, that's weird. This guy's singing all of a sudden. And then someone else joined him. But then all of a sudden, everybody joined in to sing the Hallelujah Chorus. And it became a moment of worship for some, not for all, but for some. There was an excitement and a joy. We are invited to sing as an expression of joy to the Lord. And we were to act like God's in the house. There's also, secondly, an invitation to share as an experience of hope. We have an invitation to sing, but now he says, I want you to share. As you share, you offer hope to others who are traveling the same road and on the same journey to, to growth and development and fulfillment. As you share your your purpose and, and the power of God in your life, you make a difference. An invitation to share is an experience of hope. Christmas is a big time for sharing. We get to share because we have excuse to share. Also, Uh, Because we take up the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which is uh, our offering that helps support our international mission board of about over 6,000 missionaries. We get to do that because we want them to share the message of Jesus Christ throughout the world. So sharing is big. I want you to just watch this clip with me about uh, Ramona Reese, who is one of our international missionaries in Brazil. And I want you to hear her share of how her story of what God's doing in Brazil. Would you watch this please?
1: My name is Ramona Reese, and I work with the urban poor in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Thank you so much for giving to the Light and Moon Offering. Because of your giving, I can meet people like Deborah. Deborah, at the time, was a 16 year old girl. Um, lost, um, one parent family. And um, Deborah and I, we would, go to the, we would go to the beach every Saturday morning for about two months. Well, during that time, Deborah did not accept the Lord. So Deborah and I decided not to meet for a while, but I, I didn't close the relationship entirely. We just kind of said, "You know, if you need me, I'm here." Little did I know about a year later, Deborah called me. And, and the, the, the timing that Deborah called me was very significant for me because it was a time, a very vulnerable time for me. I had just lost a baby after seven, after seven months pregnancy. And at that time, I was very angry with God. And when Deborah called, I picked up the phone and I, I said, hello, and she said, Ramona, do you remember me? And I said, is this Deborah? And she said, yeah. And she says, I, she had no clue what was going on in my life at the time. She says, I just wanted you to know that I've accepted Christ and I've joined the church, and I've been baptized. And I held that phone in my hand because I was so hurt, and, and, and I was just so angry at the time. And I was questioning and asking, God, why am I here? Mm-hmm. And blaming everything upon um, Brazil and, and other situations. And God reminded me at that moment that he had me there in that place for that reason so that I could meet people like Deborah, and so that they can give their hearts to the Lord. And so I thank you. Thank you for placing me and my family in Jacarepagua Because of you and your giving, we can meet those everyday coming people, and Christ can come into their lives, and he can change their lives so that they, too, can lead others to share, share Christ with. Thank you.
0: That is one of our missionaries in Brazil. You know, the Olympics is going to be a real de Janeiro, and as we understand that we've been given the great privilege to share the good news of Christ here, in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, our county, in our state, Samaria, our country, but also around the world. And one of the ways we do that is, is knowing that God has invited us to share our story and share our journey. It's what our missionaries do. That's why you're asked every Christmas season to prayerfully consider what you would give the lot Christmas offering. Because that's the third thing he invites us to do, and that is to give. He invites us to give as an exhibit of love. You see, when the wise men showed up, they brought gifts. They were from a pagan culture, and they understood even in a pagan world, when you were invited to come see a king, you always brought a gift. They wanted to honor him. And one of the invitations not only just to sing and to share but also to give because we love. You see we do that because God is great. We give this time of year and I want to say thank you church because you do an awesome job of giving. We we minister to many families through our Sunday school classes and through individuals that want to Help families during Christmas that maybe have had a hard time, a difficult year, lost a job, had a cut back in salary, whatever it may be. We realize we need to rise to the occasion, and you do that so well. And that is a form of worship. Never misunderstand that. When we give, we are now worshiping God because of his grace and his goodness to provide for us to give. And so we give uh, out of our sometimes out of what we lack, even we give, a- and we minister and we worship, but through our giving. But also, when we come together collectively, we worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings. And so we will give uh, to people. We will give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering because that's above and beyond our tithe. And and so you say, Lord, I want to give where I touch the world, and I want to be a part of. Carrying the gospel around the globe. So, what can I do to do my part? Because together we do more than we can ever do separately. And so, we've been called to, we've been get invited to give to, to, as an ex- exhibition of our love. We, we do this, we give. But also, we give our tithe consistently, systematically, and cheerfully. It's a part of who we are. It's how we worship. When we give, we're saying to God, You're a great God. You meet my needs. You're a great God. You give me a place to live, a car to drive, clothes to wear, food to eat. You are a great God. Worship always begins with God's invitation. He invites us to sing, He invites us to share, He invites us to give. Because all these elements become a way of giving him the worship he deserves because he is king of all gods, as the psalmist says. But one last thing there is an invitation to come and find forgiveness, an invitation to come and meet the true king. I think about these wise men that came from the Babylonian area era and area and and they traveled about forty days if they came the the normal trade route. They traveled about forty days as they began to make their way, they were looking for the king of the Jews. They had pro- read about him, aware of him from Jews being in captivity. They were aware of another God out there and a, and a, a prophecy about that. And so when they saw this strange uh, supernatural phenomenon in the sky, the star, they who were men who studied the stars were going, man, this is not normal. This is not usual. What This is very unusual. What's happening? And so they began to re- read and study and they saw that there would be a, uh, the birth of a king in Bethlehem. Now, God uses natural revelation to bring spiritual truth all the time. That's why Romans 1 says there's no excuse to say there's no God, because if you look around and see creation, you've got to come to the conclusion there's a, there's a creative designer. And so they're saying, he said, but we've come to see this, and they traveled, they traveled 40 days approximately, to get to this place, to meet the king of the Jews. And they would never be the same. You see, God invited the wise men to come to him with a star. Very significant. He invited them with a star. Now think about that for a moment. A star that came out of nowhere, got their attention, sparked their curiosity, and they made a 40-day journey to worship the king of the Jews. Star. Worship always begins with God's invitation. But God invites us to find forgiveness. For them, he used a Star. But something else now, God invites us to the cross. You see, God's invitation to us is the cross, not the star. It's the cross. It is the cross now that stands as the light that says, come to me all your labor in heaven and I'll give you rest. As Isaiah said, come now, let us reason together. Though our sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow. The cross is God's invitation to forgiveness. God in His great mercy and love sent His Son to die on a cross. While we celebrate the birth of baby Jesus in December, from the very moment He came from heaven to earth, His every move was toward the cross. Everything, even when they would carry Him as a baby, everything was His move toward the cross. Every part of His life, every event that touched His life, it was ever more moving Him to the cross. And Jesus said, Just as this bronze serpent in the wilderness was lifted up in the day of Moses. Remember those poisonous snakes that came in because they were were rebelling and grumbling and complaining. and, and, And snakes came in and bit them and they were dying. And he said, now make a bronze serpent, hold it up. And if they'll look on the bronze serpent, they will not die. And that's what Moses did. He made a bronze serpent, held it up. And if they would look on it, they would not die. Jesus said, just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. I will draw people to me from all types of life, from all backgrounds, from all geographical areas, from all ethnic backgrounds. I will draw people. from the four corners and all around the globe. I will draw people. The cross is his invitation. When he stretched out his arms and was nailed to that cross with the great breath of his body, he said, I'm opening my arms to you. Whosoever will may come. My invitation is to come and experience love and forgiveness and the power to change your life. As the drops of blood Dropped from his head and from his hands and from his feet. It was the price he was paying. You see, the cross is God's invitation today to come just as you are. God invites you to come to his cross. That's where your relationship begins. He didn't invite you just to come to a church or denomination or a philosophy or a creed. He invited you to come to an an event that happened 2,000 years ago that's still valid today. The cross upon which Jesus died and where he paid for our sins. My question to you is have you responded to his invitation? You see, the reason we know about the wise men is because they responded to the invitation. They now had a story to tell. And we know about it because it happened. You too have been given an invitation to come and respond to the cross. And when you do, you'll have a story to tell. And people will know about it. But if you don't, you will never have anything to say. And no one will know about your relationship with the Lord. Very sad. He invites you to come today.